politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz, your host, your only independent source of conservative news back in the house for an abbreviated week here. It is Tuesday, May 26th. I hope you guys enjoyed your Memorial Day vacation and you guys had a meaningful uh, celebration, commemoration of our veterans and those killed in our wars. Um, I'm telling you guys, man, I, I needed that time off. Uh, typically, my brain is all worn out during the week. So then over the weekend, my body's worn out doing all that lawn work. And now we are back into the grinder. I really needed those... Uh, vitamin D levels too. I'm telling you guys, for all my talk being against lockdowns, <laughs> I'm always on lockdown, except I'm on the lockdown for liberty. We're literally at my desk indoors all day, just trying to process information, disseminate information. And I really thank God and thank you guys, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest growing shows around political shows. Our articles are going everywhere on Friday, we had the shot heard around the world, over a million hits so far on our article that CDC now shows a remarkably low fatality rate. Why is the media not reporting on this? Um, Elon Musk retweeted me and, and said, good question. And, you know, there's something good going on here amidst all the darkness when a liberal like Elon Musk could agree with me. And I got to give him a lot of credit for being one of the few CEOs willing to stand up to the political class, think outside of that intellectual ghetto that has been cemented for our political elites by the media, and to actually ask the right questions. It turns out uh, some of people who are smarter than me crunching the math, because CDC won't show their work, so it's a little bit hard. It turns out that they that according to their projection, 32 million Americans have been exposed to this virus, which I've guessed, I, I, I've said about 30 to 40 million all along, um, which means this thing was here much earlier, was spreading so much longer when we didn't even know about it. We weren't doing anything about it. And frankly, it was only when we started doing something about it that because of the panic, we actually killed more people from COVID, much less the collateral damage, which I want to get into. But they also note that the infection fatality rate that is implied is 0.26. But the truth be told, if you actually adjust the age bracket population properly, it might be 0.18, so even lower. Stay tuned for that. Now, obviously, look, when, when we're out for three days straight, there's going to be a lot of news accruing that we haven't gotten to. But you look at the totality of it. And you see a picture as follows. Everything we were told was a lie. Everything I have told you and some of my colleagues has turned out to be true for the last 10 weeks or so. Whether it's the fatality rate, whether it's the mode of transmission, whether it's, you know, do asymptomatic people transfer, whether it's do kids tra transmit. What transmits it and what doesn't? We now have numerous studies out that... This is mainly through aerosols, not droplets from nose and mouth, which would make masks meaningless. We're going to have a special uh, French doctor on the show tomorrow, God willing, to discuss that. 
he has a um a pre-proofed uh, or pre-print article out on that before peer review. So he'll he'll dis- discuss that with us. We now know a new study of over 400 individuals asymptomatic, not a single one transmitted. It doesn't mean they could never transmit, but what it clearly shows is that the transmission of asymptomatic people is much lower than we ever thought. What it turns out in addition to that is we now have numerous studies about super spreading events, that most of this is done by super spreading like 10% spreading 90% of all the disease. So if you would literally just cut the tail off and wouldn't do anything else, you would stop it all. And what we're seeing is that the European countries are now, not only are they all, the socialist European countries, moving away from lockdowns, but they are repudiating them. They are promising not to do them again. And they are actually engaging in a degree of blaming each other, blame game, over who thought of that stupid idea to begin with, while our politicians, including Republicans, by the way, are doubling down. And then the White House, Trump, one day he's on, one day he's off. Over the weekend, you had, you know, Senator Scott from Florida, Mike DeWino whining about masks, The North Dakota governor whining about the need to wear masks. I mean, what is going on here? It's like the Republican Party is now, much less the Democrats, is to the left of Europe. Europe, who would have have ever thought this? And then there's the other big news out, which is that if you look at the preponderance of evidence now, it appears that the virus might be completely dying out. There's a new study from Wuhan showing almost no cases. They, they tested like over a million people there. We always assume the worst. We never do that in life. And there's one thing, okay, for three days, for a week. But when it became clear that they were wrong about the rate of transmission, they were wrong about the mode of transmission, they were wrong about when this started, about where it's headed, about how novel this virus is, it turns out it's going to go the way of SARS number one which is it will die out. That's the story. Now, it's different in the sense that it's less deadly than SARS-1, and it's more contagious, so overall, more people wound up dying. Although, remember, the numbers are inflated by at least 25%, as we see from the Colorado dichotomy between those who died of COVID versus those who died of other things but merely tested positive for COVID. There's a 25% differential there that's likely true of every state. So the numbers are closer to 70,000 dead. But um, what's becoming clear now is a lot of European companies are are giving up looking for a cure because they're like, it's not worth it. This thing is going away. And meanwhile, our politicians are doubling down, ending lives for months on end, preemptively announcing the shutdown throughout the entire summer, Making this a new normal, saying until you need until you come up with a vaccine of something that's dying, we have to destroy the world with no regard to the fiscal, human, psychological toll this is taking on all of humanity. Truly shocking. But this is from the Times of Israel. Already seven weeks ago, 
Top Israeli professor claims simple stats show virus plays itself out after 70 days. It was an Israeli mathematician. He's a former military general. And he predicted, he said, that if you just look at what we already knew at the beginning of April, COVID peaks after about 40 days, declines to almost zero after 70 days. Okay, so it peaks after about six weeks. Kind of stays high for about two more weeks, declines for another two weeks, and then is almost nothing. Professor Isaac Ben Israel, head of security studies, program at Tel Aviv University. This guy called this weeks ago. Weeks ago. And now we're seeing it's playing out everywhere. No matter when you end, the case, the cases are not going up. We're seeing it from the American states. We're seeing it from the European countries. In fact, the states that opened up earlier are down 0.4, whereas the ones that aren't open are essentially unchanged. That's a dirty little secret. There was no need for any of this. As I said from day one in March, when Samuel, or in Samuel, last chapter, when King David said, I'd rather fall in the hands of God and not in the hands of men because God is merciful, he chose when God offered him an invasion of by man or a plague by God, he chose the plague. We chose a man-made plague to respond to this plague and killed more people. The devastation is unbelievable. But there's one thing if, if we came to the realization that the Europeans are at this point and just ended it. But we're not. Think about it. This is from the Danish newspaper, Jilans Posten newspaper. And they're now fighting over who's to blame for such a stupid idea. The Danish. So, the Prime Minister, Mette Frederiksen, said in her speech that it was, quote, authorities and the government's recommendation that we shut down all unnecessary activity. So that would presumably be referring to the National Board of Health. But the newspaper said that it turns out, she used the word, the Dutch word, the Danish word, Mindjadern, whatever, I don't know how to pronounce that, which means authorities. But really, there were, there were no shutdowns and forced interventions here. In addition, on February 28th, Soren Brostrom, director of the National Board of Health, signed the recommendation, which according to jurists, meant that general encroachments on Danes' freedoms were excluded. Okay? In other words, they were very specific and they were not ordering a lockdown. So now they're blaming each other. We're finding this in Britain, Great Britain. There's a huge blame game going on. Huge blame game. BBC is lacing into Boris Johnson. BBC is saying what we're saying. Yet even Republican politicians in America won't say that now. European media is going after, they're actually going after the panic porn people. Here they're going after people like me. Yesterday, Bild, B-I-L-D, it's the widest circulated newspaper in Europe. It's kind of like a tabloid. It ran a headline, Drosten study on infectious children grossly wrong. 
So basically, on April 29th, this German virologist, Christian Drosten, published a paper claiming, contrary to nearly every other study, that children can, can transmit the virus just as much as adults. Well, it turns out it was wrong. And his own data actually shows that children carry an estimated 86% lower mean viral load than adults. But yet, no one in our media will go after them. Remember, Denmark, if anything, Denmark had the best result of any European country. So you would think they would be beating their chest. Look at how great lockdowns are. But they realize what we realize, that once you let it in your country, it runs its course, it kills the people it kills, unless you try to overreact with the stupid business of freeing up hospital space when you know you're not going to be overrun. And you send them back into nursing homes. That's the only thing you could do. But the floor of lives, mainly very older people, mainly people who are going to die within a year, as Niall Ferguson himself said, they're going to die and there's nothing you can do about that. That's what they've all come to realize. Belgium. So both from the best country, the best country is Denmark, the worst result was Belgium. Actually, more people died per capita in Belgium than in Spain and Italy. But they never had the hospital issue because they're not as dysfunctional there. And it turns out that the interior minister, Peter de Creme, said on Sunday in an interview that Belgium's hospitals were never in danger of being overrun like Italy and Spain. Quote, if there, is, if there was a second wave, then I think we will find ourselves in a different situation. They're not going to do it again. The head of Norway's Institute of Public Health also says lockdowns were completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. We're seeing the same thing from Israel. Even though they had a good result, but they crushed their country. So many more people died. You know, it's funny. On Friday, Deborah Burks, the White House uh, you know, coronavirus response coordinator, said she was surprised that lockdown cities like Chicago, D.C., and L.A. were not experiencing the same, the same uh, steady decline as other areas, including the freer states and cities. Well, gee, maybe she ought to ask the Europeans to solve her riddle for her. Who would have ever thought, as we celebrate Memorial Day, as we head towards July 4th, that in the land of the free and the home of the brave, we would have more tyranny than in Europe. And here, here's the thing that's happening in America now. It's not like they're not realizing this. Look at Cuomo. Look at Cuomo. Cuomo said late last week, um, you know, you talked about different models. The media was asking me about it, and you said, look, I'm out of that business because we all failed at that business. All the early national experts... Here's my projection. Here's my projection model. They were all wrong. They were all wrong, end quote. So he admits it was a joke. But then at the same time, he starts talking about continuing this. I mean, whereas in Europe, they're like, wait a minute. The whole purpose was to ensure the hospitals weren't going to be overrun. That's the only thing you could do to help. That's the only thing that you could mitigate once you let a virus in. Aside from maybe really just stopping big, big, super spreading events. Most countries were never 
at risk of, of running into that problem. So, at that point, it was a mistake. But in America, they're, they're doubling down on it. Doubling down on it. I want to come back a little bit later in the show to the political aspects of this. With Republicans being almost as stupid as Democrats in most places. With, with the White House, Trump is completely destroying us. He's waving the football in front of the defensive linemen. Come get me, come get me. Opposing the lockdown. And then, rather than making the play and ending the lockdown and using his leverage, every bill he signs, he fuels, legitimizes, facilitates the lockdown. That crazy unemployment bill, that now it's impossible for people to get workers because you get paid more for being on unemployment? He signed that. Remember when he savaged Thomas Massey? We had him on the show for standing up to it. He's, he's, he's at fault as well. And all these loser Republican governors, or most of them, and almost all of the Republicans in Congress. That's the reality here. That is the reality. And folks, I want you guys to think about this for a minute. Think about how widespread this is and isn't. I just sent a note to a couple of my friends here um, that they, they just announced a third U.S. service member has died from COVID. They made a big deal out of it. And, and look, it's sad, but that's three. Three. Do you know how large our armed forces are as an institution? Three. You're talking about an epidemic of, of, of a century? Are you kidding me? This is what we do? It makes no sense. And again, folks, this is not free. This is not free at all. It's not a zero-sum game. It turns out, it turns out that we likely, and we're just digging out of it now, but just for a two-month duration, assuming this ends now, which it's not in many states, we probably will wind up losing twice as many life years from the lockdown as from um, the virus itself. Okay? So Dr. St- Dr. Atlas, Scott Atlas from, from uh, Stanford University, as well as three other researchers, put together a study. It's posted at thehill.com, trying to quantify for the first time ever how many lives are lost from the shutdown itself. It's one of your most important reads of the weekend. This came out on Memorial Day itself. Scott sent a copy to me. And basically what they did is they they tried to estimate the cost of economic melees. Not, not the fiscal cost. The lives lost. And then the lives lost from the shutdown medical care or the panic porn. The lie of telling people how deadly this was when it was much less deadly that kept them away from vital healthcare treatments for strokes, for, for heart attacks. 
And this is a very conservative estimate because they, they, they quantify just a couple of known things. And what they do is they note that the lost economic activity is estimated at $1.1 trillion per month of the shutdown. And, we, and, and the best estimate shows that we lose a life per $17 million lost. So if you divide that, that's roughly 65000 a month. Okay, so over a two-month period, that would be 130000 more than, than um, the loss of the virus itself. And it comes from substance abuse, suicide. But then also, what about the health care? What about the health care? Oh, let's err on the side of caution. Really? Emergency stroke evaluations are down 40%. Of the 650,000 cancer patients receiving chemotherapy, half have missed treatments. Could you begin to imagine the lives lost from that? Of the 150,000 new cancer cases typically discovered each month, we are not being diagnosed Two to th- two thirds to th- three fourths of routine cancer screenings are not taking place. Nearly eighty five percent fewer living donor transplants are occurring now. More than half of childhood vaccinations are being delayed. Think about that for a moment, folks. We are being told that we have to shut down our world and kill people until there's a vaccine for this disease. In the process, delaying the vaccine for thing for vaccines that have absolutely been proven for diseases that cost so many lives. They estimate that missing strokes will contribute to additional loss of a hundred thousand years of life, late cancer diagnoses, is two hundred fifty years of life each month. This is each month. Missing donor transplants, another five thousand years of life per month. And if even 10% of vaccinations are not done, the result is an additional 24,000 years of life lost. In total, they, they estimate 800,000 lost years of life. For COVID, 1.5 million nearly double for the lockdown, the response to it. Man-made plague. And remember, years of life loss is an important measure. The median age of of death for COVID is 80 years old, right about the um, life expectancy level. Whereas from suicide, drug abuse, and everything else, it's going to be much younger people. It's unbelievable. And again, not that you're saving older people, because as we proved last week, we actually killed older people by lying to ourselves about the threat assessment of the virus, the fatality rate, and the hospitalizations, that in order to preemptively free up hospital beds we didn't need, we went ahead and let them into nursing homes and killed more people. Now it turns out we put a 20-year-old COVID patient who was never um, at risk into a nursing home, and he beat savagely beat a senior. This is a very dark problem going on in nursing homes. 
a lot of people have noted that there's a lot of beatings that are racially motivated, let's just say, in a, in a direction that the media doesn't want to talk about, taking place in nursing homes between certain uh, staff or people there and the senior uh, residents. I've noticed this for quite some time with a lot of these African workers. We've seen, obviously, with Billy Chemmer, who now is, you know, alleged to have killed dozens of seniors by smothering them. But I've noticed five other stories I've seen this year of similar cases of immigrant African uh, healthcare workers doing that. I know there's a lot of Somali workers in the Minnesota facilities. Minnesota has the highest rate or percentage of nursing home deaths relative to the share of all COVID deaths per state. So it's about 82%. Something to consider, by the way. But they end off this article, Dr. Atlas, Dr. John Burge, Ralph Keeney, and Alexander Lipton. To end the loss of life from the economic lockdown, businesses as well as K-12 schools, public transportation, parks, and beaches should smartly reopen with enhanced hygiene and science-based protection warnings for any in the high-risk population. For most of the country, that reopening should occur now without any unnecessary fear-based restrictions, many of which repeat the error of disregarding the evidence. By following a thoughtful analysis that finally recognizes all available actions and their consequences, we can save millions of lives of millions of years of American lives. When the next pandemic inevitably arises, we need to remember these lessons and follow policies that consider the lives of all Americans from the onset. And this is the thing. It will happen again because it turns out. See, they're like, this is going to it's going to infect everyone. It's going to kill everyone. It's going to last forever until there's a vaccine. It's it's novel in all ways. It can run, jump, skip, swim, hop. It's going to get you. And now it turns out every premise was wrong. So now they've already conditioned people to such a low threshold in order to engender nuclear shutdown. See, the irony is they're like, how dare you compare this to the flu? And now they're like, well, it's kind of like the levels of the flu. So guess what? They'll use that against us. And come next flu season, they'll, they'll push a shutdown. This is the new normal. It's insane. No other country is doubling down on this. They realized it was a mistake. There's an unbelievable interview done with this man named Yoram Lass. He was the former director of Israel's health ministry. It's an online media spiked. I never heard of it, but this guy is real. And again, I just want to preface that Israel had a very good result. You would think they would all, you know, they would beat their chest. Look, we had such a great lockdown. But no, they realized it was unnecessary. The key was responding early with an international shutoff of flights, which they did. So they didn't let in a lot of cases to begin with like we did. And like Italy did. And that's it. You avoid for a couple of weeks super spreading events. And from there, just the basic self-regulation and fear from the public will take basic precautions. And, and other than that, you go about your basic life. all Except for all but people with certain known conditions and the real elderly who, if they're in that condition, typically, I hate to say it, they're kind of locked down anyway in a nursing home. And then we could have much more efficiently saved those lives, which we didn't wind up doing. Again, we used the nuclear bomb to kill an ant, and we didn't even kill the ant. 
when I say killing the ant, I mean, in this case, it means protecting the nursing homes. Of course, we didn't. And that's the thing. You look at the excess deaths. That's the key. Don't throw these phony inflated numbers that we now know definitively are inflated. Don't throw them at me. Look at CDC's own data on excess deaths. And you will see that outside of New York and the other states that did the nursing home business of putting COVID patients into nursing homes, you will see that there is no major above baseline spike on that graph. And in fact, in most places, the spike that you see during the 2018 flu season is bigger. Okay, never forget, in the six states that did the nursing home business that account for 18% of the U.S. population, 64% of the COVID patients died. Okay? So you look at those other 44 states, you're talking about the flu season. Okay? That, 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 that is basic fact. You can call me names. You could skip and jump and stomp your feet. Doesn't change the reality. But anyway, this guy, Yoram Lass, once Director General of Israel's Health Ministry. So the interviewer asked him, you have described the global response to coronavirus as hysteria. Can you explain that? Listen to this. Here's what he said. It is the first epidemic in history which is accompanied by another epidemic, the virus of social networks. These new media have brainwashed entire populations. What you get is fear and anxiety and an inability to look at real data. And therefore, you have all the ingredients for monstrous hysteria. It is what is known in science as a positive feedback or a snowball effect. The government is afraid of its constituents. Therefore, it implements draconian measures. The constituents look at the draconian measures and become even more hysterical. They feed each other and the snowball becomes larger and larger until you reach irrational territory this is nothing more than a flu epidemic if you care to look at the numbers and the data but people are in a state of anxiety are blind if i were making the decisions i would try to give people the real numbers and i would never destroy my country and folks that's why whenever i put out numbers you know i mean you guys know i have written thousands upon thousands upon thousands of political public policy columns articles opinion pieces um over the last decade or so thousands probably 5,000 maybe. Um, I have never gotten more hits on anything. And I, and I write about a diverse set of issues, anything more than the data pieces on COVID. Because people aren't getting it. They're not putting, they're hiding it. I mean, th- this is what the CDC is saying. If, if you're smart enough to call the data, which I am not, but other people have done it. So I'm just analyzing what they've put out. Because I wouldn't find it on my own. No one would find it on their own. But then they put out the, their political guidance and it's divorced from their own data that they refuse to disseminate widely with press releases and, and, and broader media. It's not like this stuff is coming from right-wing blogs. This is the hard data. He goes on. Mortality due to coronavirus is a fake number. Most people are not dying from coronavirus. Those recording deaths simply change the label. If patients died from leukemia, from metastatic cancer, from cardiovascular disease, or from dementia, they put down coronavirus. Also, the number of infected people is fake because it depends on the number of tests. 
<laughs> As we noted, the more you test, the more you find. The only real number is the total number of deaths, all causes of deaths, not just coronavirus. If you look at those numbers, you will see that every winter we get what is called an excess death rate. That is, during the winter, more people die compared to the average due to regular seasonal flu epidemics, which nobody cares about. If you look at the coronavirus wave on a graph, you will see that it looks like a spike. Coronavirus comes very fast, but it also goes away very fast. The, the influenza wave is shallow as it takes three months to pass, but coronavirus takes one month. If you count the number of people who die in terms of excess mortality, which is the area under the curve, you'll see that during the coronavirus season, we have, an, we have had an excess mortality, which is about 15% larger than the epidemic of regular flu in 2017. Compared to that rise, the draconian measures are of biblical proportions hundreds of millions of people are suffering in developing countries many will die from starvation in developed countries many will die from unemployment unemployment is mortality more people will die from the measures than from the virus and the people who die from the measures are the breadwinners they are younger among the people who die from coronavirus the median age is often higher than the life expectancy of the population what has been done is not proportionate but people are afraid people are brainwashed they do not listen to the data and that includes governments Then he was asked, did the lockdowns have any positive effect? Last, quote, any reasonable expert that is anyone but Professor Ferguson from Imperial College who would have locked down everybody when we had swine flu will tell you that lockdown cannot change the final number of infected people. It can only change the rate of infection. And people argue that by changing the rate of infection and flattening the curve, we prevented the collapse of hospitals. I have shown you the cost of lockdown, but this was the argument in favor of it. But look at Sweden. No lockdown and no collapse of hospitals. The argument for lockdown collapses. Okay, so there you have it, folks. There you have it, folks. Now, they ask him about Israel, what he thinks of Israel's situation. And he says, in Israel, we have two layers of fear. The hysteria is similar to the rest of the world. However, we have a prime minister who has been resuscitated by coronavirus by adding another layer of fear. I do not think there is any other prime minister who has spoken about coronavirus in terms of medieval black death, the Holocaust, and the end of humanity in this way. Did Boris Johnson mention the black death? I don't think so. This is a special situation in Israel. And look, I mean, Netanyahu is you know, widely regarded among American conservatives. Um, but I think, and I've heard this from other people, to put a little bit of a sinister view on it, he badly wanted to retain power, which I think most of us are, you know, want him as opposed to the leftists in charge there. But he used this and he really milked it and, and it seems to have worked in his favor. And other Israeli researchers have noted this. And by the way, one of the guys who was researching um, the American death study from lockdowns with Dr. Atlas was an Israeli uh, researcher at Hebrew University. Let me read to you one more thing. If you look at the 1950s, we had the Asian flu. In the 1960s, there was the Hong Kong flu. These were worse than this pandemic. Also, look at the story of swine flu in 2009, which began exactly the same as coronavirus. A new virus originated in Mexico. There was no vaccine, so it was very frightening. It spread all over the world. It infected 1 billion people. A quarter of a million people died. But there was no lockdown, no Ferguson, nothing. People were far more interested in the economic crisis that hit a year before in 2008. They did not have time to give attention to this nonsense. There you go. 
This is unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. But here we are in America, still locking down churches. You saw the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that says there is a right for Somalis to immigrate. There's a right for illegal aliens to be flied back here after they're deported on taxpayer dime. There's a right for us to fund every aspect of illegal immigration against our will. But there is no right for American citizens to go to church. How about that? How about that? It's just, it's so shocking. It's hard to even grasp this. Another study showed, this is in the UK, but I think it's true in America, particularly in New York, really in New York, one-fifth of all patients with COVID may have caught it in the hospital. Again, because they were so panicked, anyone, even younger, healthier people, that had a sore throat or a fever came in, and a lot of them didn't have it, but they got it. But where are Republicans? I promised I'd come back to Republicans. Where are they? Where are Republicans? Crying about the need to wear masks. Okay? About the need to wear masks. Could you imagine that? Jeb Bush retweeted an idea from Rob Portman, another rhino from Ohio, that we need to give a $450 stipend for unemployed workers going back to work. So I think he recognizes the insanity of paying people not to work at all. He's like, we need to give them extra. Like, this is guaranteed income. I mean, something that was, I mean, it it only became a thing two, three years ago, not even, from the left. Now Republicans are adopting it. That's how quickly that Overton window moves. Can you imagine that? Think about that. Think about that for a minute. And by the way, before, I just want to jump around a little bit here. I know I was going to just end off with my political analysis of Republicans. But I want to read to you something from MyNorthwest.com. It's a radio station there. Um, a guy named Rance put this out. Jason Rance is a radio show on KTTH 770 AM. It turns out that Washington State counts gunshot victims as coronavirus-related deaths. I'm not kidding you. The findings were reported by Freedom Foundation. They found out that they have counted gunshot victims. Meaning, they find a guy dead on the street, test him positive for COVID, but he was shot in a gang war. Do you know what's happening now? They are releasing violent criminals from prison under the guise of dying from coronavirus in prison when they're not, because it's not nearly as deadly, especially for younger people, as they're saying. Then they let them out. They kill people, and they count that as a COVID death. This is utterly, this, this is the most insane thing that has ever been perpetrated on humanity with the most devastating consequences. But there's no end in sight. Jared Kushner, 
is now talking about remaking the GOP platform. Truth is, it doesn't matter anyway. And he talks about putting out 10 principles. And he said that he wants to leave out alienating language from the GOP platform. I mean, the truth be told, this is actually very apropos because the Republican Party is a perfidious Orwellian party. It's a fake party. So, you know, it's great to have a Democrat write the platform. But he said he he wants to take out any language about gay conversion therapy. He doesn't want to alienize the homosexuals. He wants to rebrand school choice as education freedom scholarships. Because the latter phrase doesn't resonate with African Americans. They should rethink using the word freedom altogether, according to some sources, um, Kushner said. It doesn't appeal to African Americans. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Folks, at what point do we hold the big man in the chair accountable? I mean, every second he's like, this is the greatest man ever, Donald Trump. But then when he turn around, he does more liberal stuff and we have a worse result than ever. I, I don't care. At some point, results and outcomes matter. Here we are with more devastation than we could have imagined at any point had we elected a Democrat. And it's occurring under Trump. I'm sick of the excuses. He had five different pieces of legislation to use his leverage and veto pen. And not only didn't he do it, he had Mnuchin negotiate the deal with Pelosi, bashed any conservative who was trying to block it, and happily signed it and is promising to sign more. At what point does this man need to stand down? At what point does this man need to resign and let someone like Ron DeSantis or maybe the Georgia governor run in his stead and actually provide that bold contrast that we're not getting? And when I say bold contrast, friends, I mean the level of European politics, okay? I never thought I would say it, but we have two political parties in this country now, and that includes, unfortunately, this president, Indeed, if not word, that are to the left of the Europeans on the issue of our time that will affect every aspect of our lives and economy for years to come. We need a new contract with America. We need a new contract with small business owners. You know, normally I'm never for parochial favors in legislation like, you know, carve outs. But we actually do need a carve-out because this entire shutdown was a carve-out for Amazon and Walmart. And it destroyed small businesses because we forcibly shut them down. So we need a bill to suspend all taxation and numerous regulations on small businesses that were shut down. I would specifically target to those who were shut down for two years or so. Because you have to even up the playing field after government just destroyed the board. So every aspect of this has been a lie. Trump needs every day to be beating the drum on everything we're talking about. How, How often do you hear him saying any of this? The three legs of the COVID stool was the infection fatality rate, who it affects, and how it's transmitted. 
all of those things. I would I would argue the fourth leg of the stool, stool, which is when it started and how widespread it already was. All four of those things were debunked. He's not talking about this. And instead, his own administration, Burks, Fauci, CDC, they, you know, Redfield, they continue to put out this garbage, the poison that he claims he opposes. His own son-in-law continues to put out poison. This president ran on a stronger platform of law and order than any president since Reagan. He wound up releasing more criminals than Obama did. I'm sick of it. I'm totally sick of it. Lead or get out of the way. Provide the contrast, not in a tweet that you go back on, but in actual discernible policy outcomes or step aside for another nominee. I challenge any of you who get insulted, who are part of the cult, to demonstrate where I'm wrong on that. I'm sick of the excuses. We're asking him to do nothing more than hold the line of sanity and science, law, religious and civil freedom, and prudence that the doggone Europeans are holding. Special show ahead for you guys tomorrow. We're going to have a French researcher on the show to talk more about Europe, more about the virus itself. Let me know what questions you have for him. Email me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at rmconservative. Join our public Facebook page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, as well as our private page. You could could request a sign-up at Miniman Speakeasy. Continue to share your stories. I'm telling you, some of you guys have given me great information that I wouldn't have seen without you. Let's do this together. Let's build a new movement together. Let's build eventually a new political party together. And let's take freedom back. Freedom, despite what Jared Kushner says. So that we will once again be the world leader of liberty and freedom. 